Small Business Focus on The Money Show. That was quick. My word. The election, uh, the election, uh, the, the economic policy debate. Uh, what a speedy hour and a half, and I certainly hope you enjoyed it. My question to you this evening, as we look at small business, did any one of those manifestos strike you as being wonderfully pro-small business? We had lots of people referring to small business, some nice ideas coming through on small business. Tonight, Pablo Fatidis, in our small business feature, is going to be doing a small business manifesto. Pablo Fatidis, you were there, you listened, you observed, you smiled, you nodded, you growled, you grimaced, um, you um, didn't use any uh, unfortunate hand gestures. I was very proud of you there on that particular <laughs> front. But what was your overall assessment of the performance of the political parties? Well, they've got wonderful theories, absolutely wonderful theories. The, the, at the end of the day, to enable, the three things that you want to look for as a small business in any political manifesto, you want to see how will you enable the environment to make my life as a small business owner easier? How will you protect me from the vagrancies of the global economic market? How will you protect me from the vagrancies of big business as well? We have a very concentrated economy. It's a known fact. And then most importantly, how will you incentivize me and what could be done there? And I heard red tape being mentioned, but everyone talks about red tape. I heard about creating more jobs, but it seemed as if government itself intends to create more jobs. Not once did I hear, Bruce, that 68% of private sector jobs are generated from small, medium enterprises. Those are businesses employing 50 or fewer people. Okay, but uh, to credit to Dalian Porfu, um, who, who was dominant this evening in terms of uh, his contribution to the debate, but he was effectively quoting Clem Sunter and saying, we want a, smil- a million small enterprises to create those five jobs each um, so that we can get to the five million, ra- five million rand, five million jobs target of the ANC. Well, that small business creating five jobs would also be faced with a labor bill of close to 70,000 rand a month. And a small business That's running a labor bill of 70,000 rand a month with five employees, it's a marginal business in any event. I'm yet to see how that's sustainable unless everyone has a double doctorate in electronic engineering and it's a tech company (laughs) feeding into the global world. Uh, Here here we've got a situation. And if you'd like to have a a look at what uh, our our big debate was about this evening and you kind of missed bits of it and you just want to catch up, uh, we've got SoundCloud working overtime this evening. So we've got the key themes on SoundCloud, facebook.com forward slash Bruce Business or forward slash Talk Radio 702. Uh, And you can pick up on the key themes out of this economic policy debate this evening. Some fantastic photographs on our Facebook page as well. All of the main participants this evening uh, going through this evening. Just let's wrap up with some of your SMSs tonight. How can the MEC talk about manufacturing of buses in South Africa? The ANC government allowed the bus manufacturing unit at Hammondskraal to close down, didn't give it support. Well, maybe they've realised the, um, the issue of the mistakes of the past and uh, bringing it back um, to give them benefit of the doubt. Um, how do I find sales marketing people willing to ride the dragon with me? I've got the machines, I've got the manufacturing technology, but the sales force eludes me. Salespeople want 50,000 rand a month plus a car. When I say I want 500,000 rand in sales in return they all run for the hills uh says somebody else on my uh, sms line this evening my opinion is the da did the best fooled by the anc and lastly by the eff the eff were the most unrealistic i don't know if you agree with those views this evening but if you'd like to come through on the sms line on 31702 and 31567 well give us a call this evening on 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 which political party did best for you as a small business and why?
Has, have, has your mind been changed this evening? Uh, listening to the political parties, or just sit there going, oh, it's all up to me. I don't know. <laughs> it's all going to be up to me. They're going to create the environment. Whoever uh, wins, and let's, let's face it, um, current polling suggests that the ANC is fairly comfortable in, it, in its majority in Parliament. Uh, it will be the ruling party after the 7th of May. But do you get any level of comfort out of what you're hearing from the economic policy debate this evening? Pablo Fatidis, you, you don't seem comfortable. No, I, I never heard anything, Bruce, that really resonates as to what it's like to be an entrepreneur on the ground. Things. All three people there aren't really entrepreneurs, are they? No, not one of they're them career, is an entrepreneur. Career politicians. They're career politicians and, and, you know, there's certain circles that might argue that, you know, there's something called entrepreneurship, which is entrepreneurship within a job. So I, I don't know if that counts in this instance, but no, not one of those individuals, to my knowledge, has ever started a business. But you don't necessarily need to. You need to hopefully surround yourself with people who represent that segment of the population that you're trying to address a policy to who can give you some good information and good advice. Mm. But I heard a lot of theories over there. Nothing that really, really comes down to the ground and that bites. What would you rather have heard? I would rather have heard an enabling environment that focused on the following elements. In the first instance, the time has come to get our energy right. You know, there was a very interesting article produced on one of the most contentious issues in South Africa, but it's going ahead and taking place in America. And I'm not advocating that it's the right strategy for South Africa. But the fracking debate that has now been settled in the States and is going to lead to America being energy independent in 2025 has started to lead to the reindustrialization of the economy in and around the areas where that's going to be taking place. You must read the book that we reviewed this week with the author Gregory Zuckerman from the Wall Street Journal, who has written the historical book on the frackers, who these people are, how they started out, how they bled from er every orifice to get to the point where fracking is now mainstream and accepted in the United States. But it's taken them two decades. It's taken them two decades. And and, and it's too politically charged in South Africa for anybody to really nail the colors of the mast on it. It is. But here's the thing. That with ESCOM ratcheting up and rocketing the price of electricity, proportionately, a small business feels the impact of that on a dramatically more higher intense level than a large established business. So we need an energy solution that's going to come about to support the small business sector. That's one of the enabling areas. The next enabling area, Bruce, and we've had this debate before, is our ICT policy in South Africa. We still live in the arcane broadband pedestrian, <laughs> not even superhighway. We shouldn't even be calling it broadband. We should be calling it narrowband. Yes, yeah. okay. Okay. And there are many studies to show that if you increase broadband opportunities over here, and that means two things, broadband and speed of broadband, you could see over a five-year period a 2% jump in the GDP of the economy. Yeah. Because small businesses find that space in place to address a massive global market operating out of South Africa. And then the third area that needs to be looked at are the issues with transport because transport's a complete disaster in this country. If you look at what the impact of toll roads is, as, long as, as well as fuel levies, car licensing, and so it goes, the impact on a small business delivering its product from A to B is dramatically higher than it is for a large organization. We don't have ports that operate effectively and efficiently. It is a crisis for a small business, 
when their one container is held back at the port oh, for a month. But it, can, it breaks a small business. It completely, it, well, it ends the small business. It's yeah. no, it's, there's no business after that. So the enabling environment needs to focus on those three sectors. And then probably the enabling environment needs to get this registration story sorted once and for mm-hmm. all. You know, in certain instances, we, we opened up a new concern last year. It took just over a year to get a VAT registration number. Ach, nah. And during that period, every time we tried to engage with the corporate, they turned around and said, where's your VAT registration number? So we provided the service because we needed the relationship. But until we could issue a VAT certificate, <laughs> well, then there's no yeah. payment, is there? So you need to fund your own existence until that's enabled. Your, your small business stories, your small business frustrations, your small business hiccups, your small business headaches on 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 this evening. We'll take your calls, your reflections on the debate, your the issues that were raised, the issues that were not raised, and whether or not, if there was a in in the next dispensation because hey the cabinet just isn't big enough already if there was a role of small business minister would you put pavlo in that job <laughs> i don't hate him that I much <laughs> <laughs> pavlo fatidis on a thursday night uh, welcome to the money show we're talking small business this evening kg in rustenburg kg before we talk about what you want to talk about i need to ask you a question um how are you holding up in the face of what is going on in the platinum belt at the moment How's your business doing? It, my business has actually gone down 40% turnover. Oh, it's, and, and it has actually worsened because now the suppliers are actually... You, where I source my parts, you only buy as per order. So when a truck is standing in a workshop needing some couple of parts to be fixed, you have to wait for the supplier to order, then supply you. Then it actually impacts more because you're standing longer than you would have stayed. The guys are complaining that the, the huge order they're getting from the mines are not coming through, so they cannot, they can't afford to keep stock. That's the problem now. It's actually, uh, it's what has been happening now. I was doing my service about a week ago. No, it's desperate. Now, KG, tell us what you want to talk about this evening. Thanks for the update. Yeah. Bruce, now, my question is, the, 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 the political organizations, how are they actually going to address the trend that the mining houses are going to in as far as mechanization is concerned? Because uh, the MPR, MPRDA addresses unemployment, addresses labor, addresses enterprise development. How are they going to address opportunities that are going to come with mechanization for small businesses to underpin to underpin those opportunities for small business and question two is what is the policy what are the actually what i haven't i didn't get this one coming out that uh, in as far as the the the, the many houses are concerned the trading houses sitting in London are not actually addressing the problems that exist here. Hence, all what is coming up. And then and those labor forces, they actually come through a small business and because they are laborers. And for you to skill them, it will uh, take you okay. longer. KG, yeah. th- thanks so much for your call this evening. I mean, lots of thought-provoking stuff coming through there. Pablo, your thoughts? Well, you know, it, every business goes through a life cycle. And KG, if you really think about it, the way that mining used to happen compared to the way that it happened 10 years ago, compared to the way that it's happening now, it's constantly changing. And it's changing because of two things. Firstly, the mines are getting deeper. The environment of business is changing. There are different policies in place in order to secure mining licenses and mining rights. But most importantly, technology is catching up. And you can't, you can't prevent technology from stepping in and performing a role that perhaps people would perform in a more efficient way. 
I think that the way to address this is to really look at beneficiation. Because if we identified a good strategy for the mining industry to beneficiate raw materials locally in South Africa. Kredani Matlangu was talking about beneficiation this evening. She wanted to talk about it more, but it has been a political hot potato in South Africa ever since I can remember. We've been warbling on about beneficiation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a big word, which basically means you dig something out of the ground, you turn it into something valuable. You don't simply export the raw material from which it is made. So you you make the computer chips, you make whatever it is that you do from your mineral sands, uh, you create the jewellery, you create the industries in South Africa. But we have not got uh, our finger out in terms of that, Pablo. No, we haven't. And and honestly, Bruce, I, I reduce it down to will. You know, it's one thing saying, I had a discussion with, with one of our ministers quite recently around a pharmaceutical company that manufactures incredibly expensive, super, super diagnostic equipment, like PET scanning equipment, in order to see if you've got cancer in your body. They manufacture this product out of Switzerland. They're trying desperately to engage in a supply development program. And the minister turned around and said to me, well, it's very simple. You know, if they want to do business in South Africa, they must move the manufacturing plant from Switzerland to South yeah. Africa. Now, now, that is puerile and completely uh, naive. But in the instance where we're digging the stuff out of our ground, if we don't build our country on the back of that wealth, we're going to miss out on a massive opportunity. And I think beneficiation should be will and it should be enforced and it should be forced because within that environment, there are many entrepreneurs that we know, that we work with, that we've spoken to on the show that have ideas around it. You talk about beneficiation being forced. Um, that sounds a little bit Stalinist to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, it, it, and, and that would scare the living daylights out of me. Um, I would like it actively encouraged. Can we, we not take it one step away from force, please? Well, you know, at, there comes a point where talk is enough. In certain instances, you've got to actually enforce a policy. And I do believe in that because it would generate skill sets in South Africa. It would generate investment in South Africa. It would lead to the reindustrialization of certain parts of our economy. And in that instance, the small business downstream and upstream of the beneficiation activity, I think, would be fantastic for the, yeah. the economy and the country. But you can't and force economic activity, Pablo. We, we, we've seen forced economic activity in South Africa in the last 20 years. Uh, BE has been forced and it has been completely abused and it's been completely uh, – it hasn't failed. But, boy, it's been far less successful than it should have been. Well, we are forcing the economy in any event in the way sure. that mining license rights are sure, administered. Sure. And I would say let the mines mine effectively and mine efficiently and technology does play a role mm. there. If we're going to recoup the opportunity – then let's look at it in the more sophisticated side of the economy where there's more value and there's more export potential. So, yes, okay, I agree that force is a very strong word. But at some point, Bruce, there's enough discussion and debate. Oh, yeah. Board. And at some point, you've got to just strike. Board, 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 board. Mm. No, don't say strike. <laughs> what if you do? Don't say strike. You'll strike while the iron is hot. Um, <laughs> strike while the iron is hot. The other kind exactly. of strike. Exactly, that's strike. The other kind of strike. I mean, I, I, just, I look at the next five years of, of South African politics, and frankly, I'm happy to ignore the politics and, and focus on real people doing real things in the real world, like people who listen to this show do every single day of their lives, regardless of what obstacles are put in their way. We've got some remarkable people um, in our country, some remarkable people in this town, some remarkable people who, despite the enormous odds stacked against them, still do well. I would just like it a little bit easier for the others who struggle a bit. So let's just talk about the incentives then. We've spoken about an enabling environment. Let's talk about some incentives. And on the show, we have spoken about the tax issue, ad nauseum. You know, 
the number of people that phone in and say, well, government doesn't pay, even though they say they will, they don't pay on time. Michael comes through and says, what's government record of payment to small businesses for services rendered to government? I know a few small guys who struggle to get payment, waiting for up to six months. No cash flow is death for a small business. And Jacob Zuma, you give him an opportunity when he's not trying to bat away allegations of Nkandla. Um And he will say, we must get uh, government departments to pay within 30 days. And government departments go, yeah, right, crazy man. Uh, and, and nobody does. I have the perfect solution. The perfect solution. On 702's The Money Show, hosted by Bruce Whitfield, I have a solution that will solve this problem permanently for South Africa. And it goes like this. The VAT system must change from an accrual counting basis to a cash basis. In other words, I provide you a service, Bruce. You're a big business or you're a government. When I provide you the service, I need to invoice you in that month. I then, at the end of the month, need to pay the VAT for that service rendered. On my invoice, you don't pay me for six months. You don't get the VAT. I don't get the VAT back. If we were to change it to the cash accounting system and government weren't to pay people on time... Who hurts? The National Treasury, however, is not stupid. It's the National Treasury. The National Treasury is not stupid. It knows that the government departments from to, to whom it doles out buckets of cash won't get its act together and it will suffer. It's not going to change the rules on that basis because it can't dictate efficiency to other departments. And that's the problem. The National Treasury is also not an institution that's very au fait with the workings of small business, mm. nor does it really have any policies that firmly support small business. So the whole debate downstairs that you had on the election campaign is if 68% of jobs are generated by small businesses, everyone's missing the trick. There we go. Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator uh, talking small business this evening, the small business manifestos and the fact that uh, Pablo has left um, the, uh, the, the, the debate uninspired by political parties and their commitment to small business. Lots of lip service, lots of promise, but no real sign of a breakthrough for small business, which is a little bit tragic. Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator. Bye, donkey.